Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is an episode of The Clone Wars Report. Ken forgot that this is how he starts the show. <laughs> uh, this is a nice little uh, jazzy news <laughs> alert. I'd be happy if I got that kind of uh, alert on my iPhone for breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do-do-do-do-do-do. Indeed. So that is the energy. That's the mood that we're bringing into this episode. We've been having a ton of fun doing these Clone Wars episodes. We are into the second season. We are doing this uh, chronologically. We're discussing uh, individual episodes, or if it is a whole arc of episodes forming a storyline, we are discussing those all at once. Uh, The second season is one where the The order gets crazy, the difference between the broadcast order and the chronological order. So this is only our second episode about season two, but we are discussing Bounty Hunters, which is episode 17 of season two. Yeah. And, and yeah. And this is the first one I was like, oh, that's right. I remember when I first looked at the chronological list a couple of years ago and was like, I I have no time for this. I can't. Yeah. I mean, towards the later half of the run, it smooths out. But this second season, third season is a, a wild, wild ride. But we're very happy to be discussing this one single episode. Like I said, Bounty Hunters. It is written by Carl Ellsworth, directed by Stuart Lee. And in a, a rare moment for uh, Clone Wars or lots of Star Wars, at the very beginning, it specifically says, in memory of of Akira Kurosawa, the filmmaker who is, of course, extremely influential to Star Wars in general and cinema in general. Uh, But this particular episode is a direct homage to Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, which is, you know, it it pans out a really great film. You know how it's a revered classic? Turns out it's real good. Uh, I had the fun of rewatching it this weekend. I had seen it many, many years ago, uh, but watched it this weekend with my wife, Sarah, and it was really rewarding. So, Ken, what what is your sort of Kurosawa relationship or feelings? It is, uh, like all Star Wars fans, you're very aware of it as a, in the mid-90s, doing some film screenplay, directing school stuff, you're thinking that was going to be more the path I was going to get into. Uh, you know, you watch some of it, you study some of it, and and it is as, as great as advertised. Uh, but for me, I, I just kind of left it there, not that I wasn't you know, don't get it, but I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a classic film fan or, you know, went into other things. And so I don't, I'd like to revisit some of those stuff, particularly the hidden fortress, which is one I'm less familiar with. And seven samurai is a story that's been told other times, magnificent seven, all those things. Uh, uh, A lot of people looking at seven samurai and going, ah, I have an idea. Let me write this down. Um, So I'm a little bit more familiar with that story, but yeah, as, as all star, all all star Wars fans should at least be aware of the name. We'll start there. (laughs) And hopefully you can build up from uh, this absolute legend who, you know, I love that story of Bryce Dallas Howard uh, talking about sitting on her dad's lap while, while Ron Howard, George Lucas and, and Kurosawa talked film. Uh, amazing stuff. Yeah, that is really great. Uh, and that makes total sense with your background of uh, of beginning the journey to go into film that you would have uh, studied some yeah. Kurosawa. And yeah, it's on my list to, to uh, watch The Hidden Fortress it was really fascinating to watch Seven Samurai in in preparation for this episode in particular, since I knew it was directly inspired. But it's really great to see uh, the film from the perspective that you and I have had on this podcast over the years, Ken, of really looking at the big ideas of Star Wars, the underpinnings of it. It's easy to look at a look at the Jedi and go, oh, they're like samurai. Yeah, I get it. But to really see some of the deep philosophical ideas that uh, I think were important to Lucas to see those represented in uh, Seven Samurai. But then it was also interesting uh, to see that in my reading, there are a lot of ideas and moods and possibilities that you can see uh, from Lucas's Star Wars 
stories coming directly out of Seven, Seven Samurai. But it's more interesting that some of the more direct homages of just like images and moments are coming from recently Star Wars storytelling of Filoni and Favreau, who it's almost like Lucas was inspired by the kind of big picture and not that Favreau and Filoni aren't, but we're seeing more specific images and specific callbacks in a Ryan Johnson as well. So that yep. was really interesting to me. Yeah, it's part of that Star Wars DNA. That is right. Uh, so speaking of DNA, let's get into the DNA of this episode. <laughs> First, we'll talk about the big picture DNA. Here's my quick summary of the episode Bounty Hunters. The Republic has lost contact with a medical outpost sent to investigate Obi-Wan, Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and Ahsoka Tano discover it's been destroyed by separatists. They are shot down and seek help in a small Felucian village. The farmers there grow healing herbs called Nicillin or Psyllum, but they and their crops are in dire danger. Menaced by a group of pirates led by the wily Weakway, Hondo Anaka, the villagers have hired four bounty hunters to defend them. But with the arrival of the stranded Jedi, the villagers hope to raise the number of their defenders to a lucky seven. Moral quandaries, violent action, and noble choices ensue. That's that's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That is the summary for this week. Uh, But Ken, uh, what's your overall reaction to this episode? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it, feel different this time around? What is your big picture? Really love that we got to spend some time with it. This is an episode I was aware of and didn't spend a lot of time watching before. And and the focus was on some of the surface things. And there's a lot of great surface things in this episode. Just wait till Joseph starts talking about Embo. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot. And, and Sugi's girl, a lot of great characters, right? Um, but obviously, we're, we're going to have to talk about it. Uh, it's kind of funny to watch this post-Mando season one, chapter four, the Sorgan arc, uh, Sorgan episode, uh, which is... Almost beat for beat the same episode, which everyone pointed out then. <laughs> and everyone, and I, after watching this one and kind of smirking in a fun way of just like, wow, yeah, because I hadn't seen it in so many years. I, I don't think I had watched this one since maybe 2013, 2014 range. When it, uh, yeah, I watched it once on Netflix for sure after it was released. And I was kind of laughing like, wow, this is almost down to the lines similar. So here's how I consider these both uh, cover songs of Seven Samurai. So you might like David Bowie's Heroes. It's an all-time classic. But you might also like, uh, you know, Oasis covering it live. You know, <laughs> you might like another, you know. Um, and that's how I kind of view these two episodes and this one. It's a very uh, specific kind of uh, cover song of a great story. Yeah, yeah. That's I think it is really important to mention uh, Mando Season 1, Chapter 4, The Sanctuary, right? Uh, yeah. Because my enjoyment of that episode of Mandalorian, the first time around watching it, there was a lot I liked about it, but I had a little bit of resistance because like, but but Bounty Hunters from the Clone Wars, <laughs> we've yeah. seen this. But the thing I appreciated a little bit more about both of them is they, of course, have that uh, just straightforward plot device of seven samurai that it is villagers uh being defended by a, a small group the the group itself isn't uh, big enough to defend so the villagers must learn to stand up and fight and all of the great uh, morals and ideas that you get into because of that uh, but in rewatching seven samurai and reading a little bit about it of of what time period in actual real world history that seven samurai is set in that it's set in a time of constant mm-hmm. conflict in and there isn't a lot of order in the galaxy and everything is shifting. So any of the sort of forces that might have larger forces that might have defended a lone village 
against uh, pirates is not really there. And that's really interesting to think of in the in the Star Wars context of the cycle of violence uh, in the cycle of conflict in Star Wars, that the Clone Wars is mm-hmm. disrupting uh, things in this yeah. specific way. And it, then go to Mandalorian. That's what uh, Favreau is really interested in is what is the state of the galaxy when the Empire is gone and the Republic's not quite all there yet. And it's more of these small communities trying to make do on their own. So I appreciated that it is uh, cover songs of the plot, but also mm-hmm. both of them, both of these Star Wars episodes are a little bit uh, cover songs of how does the small community get affected by the big picture of chaos and destabilization of a larger government. Mm. It's hitting different notes. Yeah, yeah, hitting different notes. Uh, but for me, for an episode of uh, Clone Wars, I really like this one. I, I, I would say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I love it. Um, I think that there is uh, there are so many great arcs in Clone Wars, but this is maybe one of the best, to me, standalone episodes. Like, if a Star Wars fan was like, I'm really not sure, this might be the episode that's like, just go and watch this and try it, because I think it's got a little bit of everything. There is some good comedy and, and good uh, banter between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. Uh, there's some good comedy with the, the Felucians themselves, but there's a lot of heart. Uh, mm-hmm. There's good debate of Jedi philosophy. There's some great action scenes. Uh, and it is a great episode to, to be small and specific, but it really shows you what the Clone Wars is doing in the big picture by really questioning the war and examining the wars, this big epic war's impact on all sorts of these smaller communities. So I think it's a, just a great little sample of what Clone Wars can be. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Embo. <laughs> One of the greatest Star Wars characters ever. I think Embo, to me, is really, really fascinating because the Clone Wars, particularly in its earlier season, is balancing out some of the um, the prequel Star Wars aesthetics with uh, a more original trilogy aesthetics up to a point of having characters that are a little bit more cute and funny and weird in their design, like the Felucians. Um, But then Embo is, feels like this real throwback to a cool bounty hunter who talks in a, in a deep voice and, you know, a strange alien language. And it's just, we don't know much about him other than he is an utter badass. So it's just got this great blend of moods and aesthetics that uh, I think the Clone Wars era can really combine well. Yeah, no, Embo, Embo kind of won me over in this episode. Uh, not that he hadn't been before, but I just didn't have, didn't spend as much time with the character. Uh, and, and, and uh, I think maybe back then the, the spin and helmet, the spin and helmet trick, and then we'll, we'll talk more about it. But I think back then I would have been like, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I like that. No, I'm just like, <laughs> I'd love to see that in a movie. Um, <laughs> a lot about that there. Yeah. And some of the stuff you talked about here, you know, this is again, when you go back and kind of look at some older star Wars content with new eyes or just a new approach or just spend time with it again. I mean, there's some big Jedi philosophy stuff that's brought up here. Like oh, kind yeah. of, Almost too big for this wonderful little episode to contain, which looking back, you go, oh, that, that's that's what the Clone Wars was doing. That's what the prequel era was doing. Uh, you're just maybe caught up with Embo and his, and his spinning head of doom. And I uh, love it. We're going to be discussing that, obvious, obviously. Um, oh, I also forgot. I want to say that I, 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 this episode was so in the back of my mind. But if anyone's ever watched me stream Battlefront 2 uh, on my Twitch channel, 
every time I go to this, this map, the Felucian map, I get so giddy with it, just excitement over those Felucian apartments. <laughs> and I, I go up there and I try to see which one I'd rent. And I kind of always I'm like, where did this happen? I think you even, even off air once you reminded me like, Oh, there was that bounty hunter episode. Some people in, in chat of it reminded me. So I got really giddy with excitement here. It's like, Oh, that's right. The Felucian apartments. Cause I'd like to move there. This is great. <laughs> yes, uh, it, not only the apartments, but the laser-protected uh, crops, mm-hmm. of, uh, medicinal herbs, uh, so great. And yeah, those apartments, uh, they're so cozy and beautiful in the episode, and I almost do just want to like, pause and just imagine, like, okay, well, I could warm my hands by the fire, and then I'd put my television here. Uh, but I, I have lost like two games of Battlefront 2 because I just, I just went and sat in the apartment. <laughs> Well, they're so they're so wonderfully designed. They remind me, you know, here it is. It's it's this very you know the Star Wars episode that's going to Seven Samurai, and and you might think you know Samurai and more swords and kind of an older, a more ancient time, right? And and but the design of these apartments are very futuristic. They're very Disneyland, uh, World of Tomorrow type of pods with a big window. Like so, I love the 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 designs. They're taking from from kind of different uh, parts of the star wars story the future of the past and and i love them yeah absolutely i love yeah they do look like very very organic very close to the earth they are farmers but there's clearly some tech going on which is yeah great star wars stuff uh yeah other things about embo uh quickly of uh, uh, another character voiced by uh filoni that cool yeah. uh, weird deep voice uh and and the Embo species thing is really fun that he is a Kyozo. That is just a direct uh, uh, tribute to Kurosawa because Kyozo is the name of one of the main characters of Seven Samurai. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, that uh, he shares a species with the much discussed Constable Zuvio. <laughs> Zuvio alert, Zuvio alert. Zuvio alert, yeah. So I don't think we're close to seeing Zuvio's hat in action, but we almost saw Kyozo uh, big time on the big screen. But Mm -hmm. tragedy ensued, as we all know. The action figures made it (laughs) to reality, but not so much Constable Zuvio. All right, so we both like this. We're both interested in some of the fun stuff and the big ideas. So let's get into some of the big ideas. The moral of this episode uh, was uh, courage makes heroes, but trusts builds friendship uh what did you think of that moral first of all i wondered if this was about kenobi and hondo so slowly becoming friends over the years uh, <laughs> very interesting i love it because it's very easy to look at the hero side of it and say that's true and and not that the but in the sentence means friendships are more valuable than heroes or being courageous but how it's a com- kind of a complete picture and and beyond just working together and overcoming differences to unify in a, in a shared goal just on a, on a lower level, I love there's everyone kind of has a little conflict and everyone kind of has that conflict with that other person kind of um, worked through. And that's just a good example of how trust can be built to me. This is uh, this is almost a let's go to a cor- corporate retreat episode. <laughs> let's all have a trust fall and how tying this and that theme to what we see in Rise of Skywalker and, and Poe saying, how did you do it? Because Poe and his heart's probably thinking, I'm pretty brave. I've done some heroic stuff and that's not working. And for right. Lando to come in here and go, we had each other. We had each other. And and, and Lando's an example of uh, trust. It had to be earned from him and, and they had to earn it from him and vice versa, all those kind of things. You know, uh, still time to save had. Lando went through that. And I, I shot to that scene when I saw this moral. 
of just there connecting to those big things, but also just um, not uh, not that one is more valuable value, value but I, I just don't think, you know, uh, a hero needs a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it, it that, that Lando pull is really great and I think really accurate. And I think it is definitely one of the, the ideas in the movie seven samurai that is, you know, replicated here that, that we'll talk about of the great uh, people can fight for you, or we can even uh, teach you to fight. But you know, one fighter is just a fighter. What it takes to actually get things done is to, work together and i feel like this is kind of the um the action way to say we're all in this together and that philosophy matters uh when it comes to you know politics or you know food and shelter but it also matters in battle that we have to all be in this together or you know we're not going to be truly strong enough to uh to do what we need to do and yeah, I'd love that. Great, great pull on the the Lando Poe conversation. But I feel like that's really, to me, what it's about of this is uh, a reminder that even in something violent and chaotic like battle, uh, you you are, we're all in it together. Um, yeah. And I felt like it really, it, it did speak directly in this episode to Obi-Wan and, and Sugi, uh, you know, learning to work together. Uh, yeah. And uh and also, it, it, for me, it tied in in a nice little way to some of the great Obi Wan and Anakin bickering we got at the at the beginning yeah, of the episode yeah. to go like, are they in sync? You know, like obviously they're heroes and they love one another in their weird way. Uh, yeah. But sometimes the bickering goes beyond bickering to being impractical. Like when Ahsoka has to go, like you guys done because there's smoke over there and we should just go that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another moment of Ahsoka going, guys, I know the better way. Yep, this this episode is definitely a, a laying some uh, stones in the path of a Sokotano kind of episode. Uh, so great thoughts on the moral. For you, what were the big themes or ideas that were at stake in this episode? Along the way, we talked, we just kind of discussed it, but common goal stronger than individual pr- pursuits and that uh, definitely big Star Wars theme, something that's at stake and something as you look at this supersized galaxy we're even seen in the high republic of just a lot of different folks out there uh and and how do we how do we be believe in we are all the republic those kind of things uh we get that all through star wars i i like the idea uh you know there's i wrote vulnerability this is the the serapis arc little serapis who's very men in black kind of character <laughs> yeah we, and by the way were you okay with that or will we talk about that later yeah no no i liked it i liked it a lot i do yeah i do love that uh, again, sometimes I, that's why I feel bad for Star Wars. Sometimes my standards are a moving goalpost of what I feel is right. <laughs> Star Wars, I'm, 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 I'm a problem. Uh, no, the, um, so in an episode that's about trust and friendship and in a galaxy and a st- saga and a franchise that needs you to, you know, Hey, trust each other. Uh, how just on a simple human level, vulnerability to me allows for deeper, honest connections and can lead to your true value and your purpose emerging and you're part of the greater goal. Serapis uh, wearing this big robot uh, bounty hunter uh, outfit and telling, you know, just straight up dismissing Ahsoka at the beginning of the episode. Like, <laughs> we only see two Jedi here. Yeah, he says, uh, we don't count you, Nihai, which is yeah. some real projection once you know it's a tiny little guy in this big, scary robot. Yes. And even though in the moment where he falls over when the tree, a uh, little tree uh, hits him and he falls out and Ahsoka sees, he tries to stomp away. But, you know, I think that uh, out of necessity a little bit later on, he has to leave the suit, but I think it allows him to. And that's kind of, uh, I, I just think there's uh, 
just in a life in a Star Wars teaching you life lessons. Being being uh, vulnerable to those around you builds trust and, and and pushes you on to to maybe be more comfortable with your true meaning, your true purpose. Uh, not to get bumper stickery, but I think that's there. Uh, and then uh, we can dive in, but uh, getting involved, I can't wait. To, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on Obi Wan having some issues with helping because I think he's not right, but I don't think he's wrong. And I think that's part of the fun of this episode. And the the big idea, uh, this big Star Wars theme, uh, you touched upon it, we'll dive into it, but defending yourselves, standing up, and and how the need, um, you know, again, trust and friendship makes that easier. And how, but that's also how, to me, in the end, the galaxy wins the day, even going back to episode nine. So big stuff there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Let's uh, let's zoom in on that last one you said, because I think that is the, the kind of the big picture uh, idea of this episode ultimately it, I kind of thought of that theme I love that you express vulnerability because I think that it's a big part of it and and that image of you are not your armor Serapis is really powerful but I think this big picture idea that anyone can be uh, a fighter anyone can stand up for themselves right that's yeah. the big picture thing that the villagers uh, learn to defend themselves and uh, the uh, the leader of the village there has that uh, great time great quote right at the end uh, for the first time in my memory my people don't have to be afraid uh, you know so we'll we'll talk about the Jedi having their argument about whether they should help but it feels like the episode comes to this point of whatever that Jedi debate is about the truth of it the value of it is they need to learn to defend themselves because the Jedi won't always be there to defend them. So this great, um, you know, learn, learn to be the person that you need to be, which I think also has kind of great tie in, not only to like, yeah, rise of Skywalker, the idea that it was the galaxy that our heroes were just the spark and it was the galaxy that actually did what needed to be done, but also kind of ties into this, uh, meta message that, that Lucas, uh, I think expresses in, in lots of interviews and convention clips of like, I, I made Star Wars so you could all be inspired to go and mm. believe in yourself, do creative things, have adventures, live up to your full potential, get past your fears. Um, and, and sometimes it comes off in this funny way of like, I made this so you just <laughs> go make your own thing, but you're still here at this convention. <laughs> sometimes it comes out in that kind of a, a funny way or the, the it's for 12 year olds. Uh, but I do think there's this like great heart of gold uh, to it of this idea that, it is that Star Wars wants to teach its fans to stand on their own two feet exactly the way the Jedi and the bounty hunters teach the Felucians to stand on their own two feet in this episode. Yeah. And uh, funny, it happens again on the Onderon arc season five, a little, little different outcome, different take, but it's still kind of the, the heart and, and soul of what you're, you're saying here. Uh, these big lessons and, and uh, I love that. And can kind of follows a lot of that up with uh, what I feel is kind of the more powerful answer or thought of just you know they can stand up for themselves they should stand up for themselves but we need to help them and that's part of that uh, star wars lesson of uh, circles symbiotic circles <laughs> yeah yeah uh a couple other things on this just kind of big picture idea of you know anyone can and, and should stand up for themselves uh, i like ahsoka's specific quote to serapis when she uh, sees uh his actual form of you don't have to look tough to be tough that is just some great straightforward let's not judge people on their appearance including let's not judge ourselves on our appearance uh Correct. and i even thought it it is because it's always a part of the episode that i've been fascinated with that uh uh, Hondo can kind of hold his own against Anakin Skywalker, but it's because 
this damn little Aquakian monkey lizard, a pick muck muck, the brother of pilf muck muck, I learned, uh, because pick muck muck is just taking it to Anakin. And, it, you know, when you pull back at one point, you know, you can kind of put on your Star Wars, how powerful are they hat? And like a quacking monkey lizard is holding back the chosen one. But like, that's the, the lesson of this episode, right? Of uh, Hondo and pick muck muck are working together in their, you know, for a while successfully styming an incredibly powerful Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to talk some Hondo stuff. I also, I also love, you know, yeah. I don't know. There's that. I still love connecting to that part of Star Wars of, uh, of the. I guess it's the ranking or the brawling of uh, Anakin lost to a quacky monkey lizard. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for for a little while there, because uh, the the you know it, it it's the you know you don't have to look tough to be tough. And Pick yeah. is using uh, his skills. He's you know he's not trying to fight him, you know, one-on-one on Anakin's terms. Right. He's, you know, launching onto his face and darting around and, you know, biting at his ankles. <laughs> I guess uh, to back up my, I guess I have to back up my own point is a pick muck muck at some point was vulnerable and uh, accepted who he was and, and knows how to use his skills to win. So valuable lesson. That's right. Pick muck muck looked in the mirror and said, how can I be the best pick muck muck? Now, which one, this, this one's pick. The other one's Mick. What? Pilf. <laughs> I'm sure there is a Mick Muck Muck though. That's their cousin. He, he owns a he owns a winery over on. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so the, then to this other big idea, you know, that you wanted to talk about of um, of the Jedi and everything. What I really uh, picked out of it is this overall idea of honor, uh, maybe for lack of a better term. But I feel like we have these uh basically kind of four factions uh i would say that uh hondo and the pirates don't have a lot of honor and aren't trying to but there's this big question of if the bounty hunters have honor there is question in the jedi choosing what to do in this situation about what is the honorable right thing to do and then of course there's the question of is are the villagers going to stand up for themselves and, and have that sort of honor so i like that the kind of the same question is posed to all three of these groups uh, does that make sense to you? Are you uh, totally. intrigued by that, or yeah, t- totally? Because there, there's um, one of the good moments is is uh, kind of Sugi and, and Hondo having that uh, back and forth, and Sugi just kind of talking about their honor. And we 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 talk about it a lot. We talk a lot about during Mandalorian of a smuggler, a bounty hunter, or, or kind of a ne'er do well in Star Wars having their own kind of code and honor. And and I, I'm fascinated by that. The, uh, yeah, so great stuff. Yeah, and I think this. You know, right now, just looking at it, it's like, yeah, it's got some of those Mando themes of like, but this came first, right? This was when bounty hunters were the scum of the galaxy, you know, badasses, you know. So to see them want to say, like, remember, we, we, we can't judge people by the like the the fun factions that we've got on the back of their, you know, bubblegum cards, even in Star Wars. Uh, yeah. And I love, yeah, Hondo disparages the bounty hunters is, you know, dishonorable mercenaries. And I love it that Sugi just says, we don't break deals. And, you know, Kenobi, uh, uh, my good friend, Obi-Wan is really concerned that uh, Sugi's plan is just to protect the Silum and therefore her profit and has, mm-hmm. you know, all that doubt and suspicion. Uh, and then, you know, the bounty hunters are true to their word. And even up to, it's not like they're going to stay until it gets a little rough. Embo gets, uh, you know, injured. Uh, the other bounty hunter, Rumi, dies, uh, and they really stick to their their blasters and do their job. So I feel like this episode is very much about let's look at bounty hunters in a different way. Sometimes, even though they are 
just out in the galaxy making money for themselves. That doesn't mean they don't have honor. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Maybe because it's Fett and and Empire Strikes Back and all of them on the on the Star Destroyer. I'm not saying bounty hunters are all good folks either, but like, it's weird. All, I just all grown up always kind of connecting them to the dark side. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. all. Well, no, they're the baddies, right? And and yeah. you know, in the other, you know, they're not everybody in Jabba's palace is not you know a bounty hunter per se, but they are all in that general oeuvre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not portrayed as great people, right? They're drunkenly cheering for a rancor to eat Luke Skywalker. Not great. Yeah. By the way, also, Uvra was the dancer before Ula. I, <laughs> uh, I believe there's also an Uvra Muckmuck, but we haven't met that uh, cousin yet. Maybe someday. Uh, so we talked a, a decent amount here about the uh, the Jedi or the um, the villagers having honor, right? And, and I like that. That was uh, the arc. There was really the the villager Delani who has got that squeaky voice, extra frightened, gets mad and scared, and leaves the village, but then comes back and spears a pirate, uh, <laughs> saving Obi-Wan and Sugi. Uh, I-, I liked him being that symbol of that uh, of that journey for the villagers. What did you think of, of that character? Uh, very realistic. I, I, th- I love that that's, you need to have that one. You need to have, you know, if, if any of us right now are, are given a, you know, a, a gardening tool told to use as a weapon and you've never been in a mass fight, uh, you might step away. And I don't think, and that's part of being vulnerable. This was, it's not a mistake. It's not that you're not brave. It also might be that you're just very smart and intelligent and know what you're up against. And you have to overcome that. That's its own kind of vulnerability. And now to come back and realize you make a mistake. This is Han Solo too, in some ways. And he knows how to fight. So I think it's a, it's part of a big Star Wars theme too. And I, and I liked it. It's a little tiny little uh, uh, victory for, uh, checking yourself, looking in the mirror, and seeing what's really inside you, and where where yeah. you really connect, and where, where that honor lies. Yeah, and I think it ties back to the the moral too of the well, the more of the flutions that are there in fighting, the less vulnerable the others are. They're you know stronger yeah. together. And I think you know having not just having Delani come back, but having him you know show up at the last minute and save somebody is you know reinforces that idea that we're stronger together. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, Jedi, let's talk Jedi honor, right? Uh, there's a there's a lot going on here. We got, as you mentioned, the uh, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan uh, morality debate, uh, where Ahsoka, we are really seeing the seeds of the Jedi that she becomes, yep. or the not Jedi, depending on your point of view, uh, that she encounters people who need help and like, great, <laughs> problem solved. I will help you. Uh, and then Obi-Wan is taking this larger view. It's not that he doesn't want to help the Felucians or sees that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. He says if that if they, the Jedi, stay, they can't report the medical station destroyed, which is their main mission. So there is a little bit of, you know, he's being the, the good workaday Jedi who's doing the mission that he was sent to do and also one that has some bigger picture stakes, right? Because that medical station being destroyed means that other medical stations are probably in risk in their chain of medical stations that we hear about at the top of the episode. And then he specifically says, you know, we were seen, or where he implies that they were seen by the uh, the separatist forces there. So if they stay, they might draw General Grievous and his horde to the village. So Obi-Wan is trying to help and defend the villagers, but from a much, much bigger picture view than Ahsoka. So what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, I, I it's, uh, seriously, we joke too, but it's like sometimes the Clone Wars really sets up Obi Wan to be uh, a bad, not bad guy, but <laughs> he he always seems to be at the center of 
well, what about this? Well, that's not right. And I think it's somewhat unfair to Obi-Wan. And I, I, I don't, everything you just described, you described it very well, Joseph, where I'm like, he's not, none of what he's saying is wrong. And he's not trying to, he's not leaving him in the dust. But that's why I got to say Anakin and, and Ahsoka, of course, a lot of credit to Ahsoka here, of course. But Anakin coming back being like, hey, we, we yes, you're right. Let's help them help themselves. Let's <laughs> do what we can do. Let's do our part as Jedi. We cannot turn our back on this. So I love a great starting point. Uh, you know, you got Sugi kind of uh, needling Anakin a little bit later on with the peacekeepers who don't keep the peace. There's a lot of great Jedi stuff going on. But in terms of that specific is- issue, uh, Obi-Wan just, you know, he's a, he's a company man. Sometimes you got to step outside the box. And I think this, this all goes, goes all the way to Tatooine and New Hope and missions and what, what am I loyal to? Yeah, a lot of Obi-Wan stuff here. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, yes, in the Clone Wars, I think often Obi-Wan is the person who is like, well, here's the reason we can't do the thing that seems and feels right right now. And, and, and he can be a little bit, have a little bit of the wet blanket vibe, the wet Jedi blanket, because uh, it's also often the thing that emotionally the audience is responding to of like you're right there help those villagers uh but what he's saying does not lack compassion it's just taking a big picture view of that medical outpost being destroyed and other medical outposts being threatened it's not just because he's a company man i do think he is a company man but it's also like uh, a lot of other people are in danger too and really like hey they can maybe survive the pirates with these bounty hunters they are not gonna survive if we like that's really trying to take personal responsibility, which we've seen in other Clone Wars episodes of like the Lerman not wanting the Jedi there. Cause like, you're going to bring the separatists here, you know, uh, oh. and Obi-Wan kind of taking responsibility for that. So it, it, yeah, it is a real mixed bag. Yeah. No, I mean, can you imagine a villager trying to uh, poke general Grievous with a rake? Just, <laughs> yeah. Anakin's going to have to, to teach him a lot, but I do really like that this episode starts off with lots of discord between uh, the three of them, mostly Obi-Wan and Anakin. And then, Ahsoka yeah. trying to navigate it. But then in this moment where they are kind of disagreeing, where, you know, Ahsoka's saying, we should just help them. Obi-Wan's saying, like, the, but there are these bigger picture things to consider. And then Anakin does come in with, like, well, here's the the actual solution that's, you know, somewhere in between. And a little bit more, I think, I think a little bit more Jedi. And I think um, yeah. a great moment for Anakin, because I think this is what the Jedi are about. They do not want to fight unless absolutely necessary and i think sometimes we talk about uh, the jedi being wanting to preserve the balance of this force is this great cosmic thing but i think it's also like whenever possible we don't want to put our thumbs on the scale we use our our power for knowledge and defense and we definitely defend life and we will defend life as they ultimately do in this episode but we'd prefer for you to go about the course of of your life we don't want to be the people who come around and tell every village exactly how they should go about their existence. So if you could handle this on your own, that's the Jedi preference, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, the, the knowledge and defense thing uh, is so key and and needs to be brought up a lot uh, when you're measuring the actions of the Jedi, because I I can make the argument that these three, uh, Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan could go, you know, knock on Hondo's door and maybe take care of business. And then maybe they come back and maybe it's going back to what Obi-Wan's saying, but this being more of the Jedi, way of truly helping this is a uh you know a feed a man a fish stick dinner he's fine get <laughs> the bread the fish i can't remember how it goes um you know it's that kind of thing and, it, and that you're right it is really more jedi yeah teach them to microwave the fish sticks yeah. <laughs> and they'll you know. always uh, have a little bit of regret but never be hungry um yeah and, and then i really like that going forward 
after that kind of discussion of let's train them and Hondo arrives, Kenobi really works hard to avoid conflict. He tries to pay Hondo for transport off the planet, even double what he'd make uh, for the Silum. But, you know, Hondo doesn't want the Republic credits. Uh, so he's trying. And then once the stakes are clear to Obi-Wan, he, you know, he, he goes along with the plan of train him and he stays because his initial thought is that we should we need to get out of here because we're going to draw the separatists. We're like, all right, no, we'll we'll stay and help. Uh, so even though Obi-Wan is being a little bit of that wet Jedi blanket, uh, I think he does come across to, to do the right thing. Um, ultimately I think, uh, and then I, yeah, I wanted to talk about this exchange because you and I have fun monitoring those, these big picture opinions of the Jedi in the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Anakin says, uh, perhaps a condescending way to Sugi, the leader of the bounty hunters. Uh, I'm sure you're good at what you do, but you're in way too deep. And Sugi says, said the peacekeeper who fails to keep the peace. And then, uh, and then Obi-Wan, even though he doesn't let, uh, like politics has a political opinion <laughs> and says the rift in the galaxy is not our fault. If more worlds would stand up for themselves against the separatists, this war would have been over long ago. So what do you make of all that? Do you, uh, do you find yourself agreeing with any perspective? I, I green, maybe not so much understanding from, Oh, from Obi-Wan and the idea of Jedi shouldn't be generals and, 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 and a lot about that, but, but oh my, I can hear what Obi-Wan's saying of like, uh, we're, we're generals because we, we have to, because no one else is going to do it in a way. It's a little, little justice for the Jedi for me. Um, if that makes sense. Uh, of, I, I just intrigued by his defense, you know, the Sugi and, and anything is, is, uh, one of those, uh, bird, sick bird, and some truth to it. But I love that he's just like, hey, hey, we didn't want to do this. We needed to. And I don't fault them for that. It's just where the slippery slope that Palpatine was pushing everyone down is, is, is was unavoidable, perhaps. But I don't know. Yeah, I think I think there's that. That that's the fatal flaw of the Clone Wars, right? That they can't see that the whole thing is a is a pointless trap and they they're too blinded for that. But once they're already embroiled in it. Uh, this perspective does make a, a certain amount of sense to me of if the justification flawed or not from the Jedi of getting involved is uh, defense, right? The separatists, they built an army and they're attacking planets uh, in the Republic. They're out on the outer rim. Now they're pushing in. Uh, so we have, we should go, the separatists can't just march across Ryloth. We should go and defend them. But then every time you go to defend someone, you start fighting a massive war in their home and there's inevitable casualties and then they lose that planet and then they start contributing to this cycle of violence, escalating violence. So I can see how Obi-Wan would go. We wouldn't have to come to each and every planet and, and bring this larger conflict, to all these planets, if everybody would stand up to the separatists themselves. Yeah. 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 He's not wrong. Maybe not. <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is uh, nice and complex. I don't think there is a, a specific uh, yeah. right answer necessarily, uh, mm -hmm. other than I love that these episodes show the complexities of war mm -hmm. and then really zero into, much like Mandalorian is doing now, zero into what is right when you're looking at it from a more micro uh, perspective of a specific community. And this yeah. episode does definitely feel sort of uh, whatever the, the larger honor of the Jedi is in regards to the Clone Wars, that they do right by uh, these Felucians by helping them to learn to defend themselves. And the Felucians yeah. seem overall pretty thankful 
Very thankful. And look, it's 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 a life thing, man. It's it's what are you going to do when you're there? If you got that laser sword and all those skills, and you can you can be from a distance in your temple, going here's the rules or here's the better better philosophy. But then when you're standing in that apartment, that beautiful little Felician apartment, what are you going to do? And the answer is never simple. And uh, that's what I love this uh, this uh, this episode does. It doesn't uh, form a one hundred percent. This is the way conclusion. It 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 gives you a, a picture of what could be. This whole episode to me is. Ahsoka going, look, smoke over there. That's the way forward. Uh, and this episode's about that. And, and sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I, I really like your point, too, that the if the Jedi were really losing their way, they could be like, all right, well, we'll just go find the pirates' camp and we'll slaughter them. <laughs> you know, but they don't. They, they stay and defend and, and teach the pollutions to defend. Uh, any we, we've talked about some of the bigger uh, thematic connections to other parts of Star Wars, other morality perspective. Anything else for you? I think um, there was uh well, we talked, yeah, we definitely love it. We've gone to so many wonderful places. I talked about the Lando moment, uh, the idea of ju- trusting, trusting. We, we talk a lot of trust, but trust who you are kind of trained not to trust is interesting. I look at Kenobi, mm. uh, Jedi, bounty hunter. Um, you know, it's one thing to be like, Hey, a wonderful villager, trust me, I'm a Jedi, but, uh, and, and they kind of be like, okay, yeah, I've, I've heard stories of, uh, high Republic tales. I've heard tales of Loden great storm. Uh, <laughs> that's easy. That's an easy one. Uh, in general, but to Kenobi to look across at Sugi and Sugi look across Kenobi and know that they have to find some sort of, uh, trust when their whole life has maybe been telling them not to for right and or mostly wrong reasons. You know, I just like that. That's part of life. That's something um, that I always say is, uh, you know, and when, when a person or a human or a, a, a Zabrek is in front of you, <laughs> um, can you trust him? So there's that one. And then the, the big one there, we, we touch a lot about it uh, to the big picture. Uh, uh, you talk about um, what wars do, but I, I love that through, this was mostly pirates and villagers, but I see it also being tied to the Star Wars constant of the resources of the small folk of the galaxy and therefore the small folk uh, making them targets and pawns and others' quests for power and control. That's a big Star Wars theme, and it's uh, on uh, display here uh, in, in, right in the spotlight. And I love that. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I really thought of that as this conflict between uh, greed and empathy, you know, greed and sharing. That Hondo is, he's funny and, and scary in this episode, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, he's not after honor. He's just like, hey, you've got something valuable? I will take it to make myself <laughs> richer. Yeah. It's just, it's the straight up, you know, Lucas is so focused and interested in the dark side. Isn't just, Hey, I'm kind of evil today or I'm mad today. It's that constant greed, always wanting more. And then I think it's so significant that that's contrasted with what else is going on in this episode. Uh, this episode could have been structured the same with a different reason that our Jedi are in the system and a different thing of value that the Flutians have. But to me, it is meaningful and specific that it is a medical outpost that was destroyed. And because Mm -hmm. the war isn't going great for the Republic, they have to set up all these medical outposts and they're vulnerable. And then what is it that they're actually making uh, or the farmers are growing is this organic healing herb, uh, you know, this medicine. So to contrast Hondo's just greed, everything belongs to me versus uh, the Republic, the Jedi, the Felucians, kind of the heroes of the story are all nurturing and growing things to heal and help others. Yeah. Mm. I like that. That's good. 
Yeah. And then my, my last one is just uh, I've been having a lot of fun kind of tracking the state of the war itself in the Clone Wars. You get so much information uh, in those great Tom Kane newsreel voiceovers at the beginning. And sometimes it's, you're just distracted looking at the cool visuals or excited for the episode and, and miss some of the information about the state of the war. Uh, I, I like that this one says Republic worlds are now being threatened. You know, the first season had a lot about how the Jedi were trying to really firm up control of the Outer Rim so the Separatists, and the Separatists wanted control so they could push inward. And this suggests to me, without being explicit, that uh, that's not going great. And the Separatists are pushing into uh, more Republic worlds in the Outer Rim and outside of the Outer Rim. Uh, and in, in, in fact, again, this whole setup being they've set up a line of medical stations uh, because the war is really needing medical yeah. stations uh also doesn't sound like they're just going in and and taking droids apart and being done and it's an interesting note too that chronologically uh this is the planet where they lost ground in the last arc we talked about <laughs> right yeah yeah that's right um it's funny i'm thinking it's like a, a circle closing in on Coruscant as you go lead to revenge of the sith right just literally the, that's how the clone wars is going everything's pushing in and it ain't going well yeah, and we know we'll eventually get in the final stages of the war, the uh, the Outer Rim sieges, uh, but I'm interested to keep seeing if that drifts away in the Clone Wars or if you can kind of track the bigger military picture of the Clone Wars. All right. Good Go history show. No, it's like a good history show of, uh, you know, the Clone Wars. Yeah, we need that droid in uh, in Mandalorian to to teach us the Clone Wars history. Just we can just sit there in class with our cookies and listen. Yeah. That'd be great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to discuss so many great moments in this episode. We'll be right back. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of the great Clone Wars episode, Bounty Hunters. We're going to talk some of our favorite action moments. Ken, what were great, thrilling action moments for you? All right. I'm going to leave some of the bigger ones for you because I know who's involved. Okay. This is you and I know each other after five, six years of broadcasting. But I love this one. I love the classic face-off in the beginning. I got the draw. I got the draw. No, I got the draw. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I like it. It's it's a it's a it's a tense, almost inaction moment that I love. Action. It's what could happen, and I love a good. Uh, and they do it in, uh, even Mandalorian. A couple. I remember uh, chapter six in uh, in season one, where there's everyone. Uh, you know, you got Bill Burr holding the microphone at everyone. I'll shoot. I'll shoot. I'll shoot. I, I just like that kind of stuff. And that one uh, uh, was good. There's some great action all the way through. Uh, Serapis, when when he's, once he's out, I do kind of love him. Uh, little old Serapis jumping on and and. Uh, and uh, doing his little tricks and, and knocking the speeder. I, I like that a lot, too. Yeah, no, that's a great one. And I truly feared for Serapis the first time I watched it. Like, no, yeah. it doesn't seem like he's actually going to knock that weak way out. And then he, what he does, the brake tricks, right? And sends yes. him flying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, that is great. Uh, I love, it's kind of an action moment, but I love the bouncing ball ejector seats. It's just such a weird, great sound. And I love that uh, Obi-Wan sounds yeah. truly sick. <laughs> When he's bouncing around in there. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and of, uh, of course, you know, Embo's stuff is just great. Uh, his action is, it's so Star Wars. It's like, it's very weird and unique in this idea that uh, he's kind of this long, long, lanky character with a crossbow type blaster. But, you know, his initial run when he first uses the hat as a shield when he's taking down the scout, eh, it's just so cool. And that you see the blast marks come off and you see that there are other uh, there's other scoring from other blasters and get like, oh, he does this all the time. And it, it's just really fun and really cool. But I also think it's really effective to show like, OK, well, who knows what the kind of skill level of all of these bounty hunters in, uh, you know, is. But this one is a real terrifying badass. What I love about like the helmet spin and everything, it's uh, it is classic Star Wars, like you say. It's also classic like late 90s early 2000 action figure of this one comes with a rip cord you pull it and he spins in the hat, hat <laughs> you know it's it's very uh it's very action figure and i love that yeah yeah so uh, yeah, i could go on and on about embo and i will but uh but uh, perhaps not uh as much right now i also like obi-wan throwing the speeder bikes into the fence it's just a great okay. uh, i love it anytime they use the force and it's just such a casual gesture of like <laughs> you uh, don't fly into me in fact fly above me and hit a hit a electricity fence great i don't um, I, I don't know if this is action moment or weirdness but i i do want to highlight embo like snapping the neck of the spy <laughs> It's, it's brutal, right? Yeah, and I feel like it's there to show that he is a badass. So there is some amount of like physical, you know, prowess to these bounty hunters because Anakin started out doubting them, uh, doubting their actual ability to do this. But then also the honor of the bounty hunters is in doubt. And I think even the fact that Obi Wan was like, "Well, cool, that's great, but you just let Hondo know that you know he, he, the scout's not going to come back and Hondo's going to attack." So you just yeah. you know so there's, there's a lot going on in that yeah yeah it was uh yeah especially again uh, you know early early enough in the clone wars run where you're like oh oh i gotta hide my eight-year-old hold on <laughs> yeah and i always watch with the captions so i can see the spelling of things and so i can take some screenshots and you know uh, when you just see neck snaps <laughs> and embo's neck snap count in this episode is at least two i think it's uh, i think it's two it's a lot of neck snapping did you think it was too much or did you think it was cool or like where were you at with it i mean i'm never gonna say i think a neck snap is cool but <laughs> it's cool. no uh, no again saying you know i've known for a long time but you love embo embo pops up in other star wars storytelling even in the modern era sugi does as well uh to go back and and and, and go back to kind of the the first time we spend time with um, the first moments we spend time with embo I really gained the appreciation and not necessarily to your level, but like, I get it now where before it's like, yeah, I kind of remember Embo in the hat, right? Okay. Okay. But to see an action um, and, and see how he's presented with Floney doing the voice with broken French, intentionally broken French, by the way. Um, nice. The editor, the sound editor is, it was, uh, was a Frenchman and, and Floney was like, just give me some words and I'll say them badly. And, 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 uh, that, that it all adds up to a really memorable character. So I was glad to come back and spend some time with Embo. Yeah, yeah, and it, his action pays off. I think that's maybe a part of it is just my, I know other people of, of any generation uh, can and do love Embo, but I think for me growing up with the original trilogy and growing up with the those bounty hunters standing there in Empire Strikes Back and wanting to see them in action, Embo, Embo is of that style of bounty hunter where he yeah. looks cool, sounds cool, and I like a lot of the bounty hunters we get introduced to in the Clone Wars, but even like um, Rumi and, you know, I like Serapis, but the armor, like, 
eh, that's fine. That's cool. But Embo could have been standing right there next to, to Dengar. He fits in that ilk. And that, that is a part of the reason that I love him so much. I agree. Uh, all right, let's move on to some uh, moments of comedy, a whimsy, weirdness. I actually think this is a really successfully funny episode. There's a lot of little beats. Um, I I gotta admit, um, I did my notes early. I forgot to write down some of these notes, and all, a lot of the comedy lines we have already discussed. But I think says the peacekeeper that fails to keep the peace, like I said, sick burn. Uh, <laughs> I just love it. it's not funny, but you don't have to look tough to be tough. Is is a great Star Wars quote, uh, quite frankly, on a, on a real simple direct level. There's one big one at the end. So hit me with some of yours and then we'll get to the one that I think we probably both have that ends kind of the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I The banter between Anakin and Obi-Wan at, at the beginning is great. And I think sometimes they have banter in Clone Wars where it feels like this is great, but it's the conversations we've heard before. But this one was uh, like really successfully funny to me of uh, Anakin saying, why do you even ask my opinion? You never do things my way. And Obi-Wan says, we crashed the ship your way. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a very snarky Obi-Wan. And then Anakin says, very funny. I see your sense of humor survived the landing. And Obi-Wan says, it's about the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's such great uh, grumpiness, uh, grumpy, snarky Obi-Wan. Yeah. Uh, and it, it we're kind of seeing it through Ahsoka's perspective. So we get the like, oh, wow. Why do they do this constantly? And then, I mean, this is making a lot of a comedy line, but I'm so fascinated by this larger Star Wars story between Obi-Wan and, and Anakin that Anakin needed a father and wants to see Obi-Wan as a father or a parent. And even though Obi-Wan's raised him since he was very young, I think because Obi-Wan was young, he always wants to see him kind of a little bit more sibling-like, uh, you know, his brother. And this is this is sibling banter, you know, that I think almost hurts Anakin's feelings more because it's parental banter to him. Mm. yeah okay that makes sense yeah it might yeah, be yeah. it might be that may be pulling out a lot but i really like this dynamic i really like this relationship yeah yeah no i'm glad you put that that was a fun yeah god bless you obi-wan yeah it's about the only thing uh i also uh, like when anakin is uh training the flutions and he says form up uh divide into rows of five since they don't know what form up means and then there's just chaos <laughs> The Felicians are a successful design to me where they're like, they're cute and yeah. charming and funny and believable when they stand up for themselves. And I just love, they yeah. like, we're farmers. We don't know what to do. I'll tell you what, I never, I never want to directly compare uh, the two, this and Sanctuary from Amanda Seuss one. First of all, I just love Bryce Dallas Howard uh, as a director in Star Wars. And so I don't want to make it sound like a sliding at all. I like this sequence better in the, sh in the animated version because I think you can get away with a little bit more animated wise. The, the chaos you're describing, which is really funny. Whereas some of the human stuff, even some of the actors, it's like, you know, I look, I even have problems with like some of the stuff in Game of Thrones and the Castle Black. You look at the background, some of the training going on. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what? <laughs> um, you, come on, extra. Act like you've swung a sword before. So this one just is more effective, even the humor, but also what they're doing. And I, and I like the sequence a lot. I think it's a really good insight that you can get away with more. And like, yeah, in, in Chapter 4 Sanctuary, you know, uh, those of us who, who watched uh, The Good Place uh, knew that one of the main actors uh, mm -hmm. it, from comedy, so you, it, it had an even more delicate balance there. Uh, random Mandalorian opinion here in The Clone Wars. Uh, I, I like Cerebus's line of, don't look, I'm having a suit malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> is funny and I think you know might have some relationship to the term uh, wardrobe malfunction that was uh, spreading around in the 2000s for reasons um, so mm -hmm. one little beat uh, where the 
when the Flotion is getting uh, uh, Flotion is getting frustrated and kicks the pole in frustration. It's just a perfect little frustrated comedy moment. Uh, yep. And then I think I, I'm, I'm so curious what this uh, end beat is for you. So so I'll stop there. Well, let's look, I love Hondo all the way through. I don't know which version of Hondo I like better. Do I like serious, <laughs> dangerous, murderous pirate, or do I like Uncle Hondo that shows up in Rebels? Or quite frankly, uh, frankly, the Galaxy's Edge uh, Hondo we've all spent some time with if you've been fortunate enough to go over the, to the park. I uh, I don't know. I don't know. I like them all. I do love Hondo. And I have a good friend, Joey Rockenstein, uh, who uh, was back in the Jedi Lions days. And he's a, he's a Star Wars fan, but he's specifically just a big Clone Wars fan. And he loves Hondo. Loves Hondo. And I, I, I want to follow up with him. Like, which version of Hondo, though? I don't know. <laughs> so I love everything about Hondo in this episode. But he's not, he's not a good dude in Clone Wars. Rebels, he's a little different. He's life has changed. He's tempered, I guess. A little older. Uh, he's not a good dude, but I love this effort is no longer profitable. <laughs> I want to use that in life now. Oh, yeah. No, that it is a great line, and it is definitely set up as comedy because, mm-hmm. and I think it works because it, it has been this journey about honor, you know. And yeah. is he going to say something? Is he going to learn something? Because it's kind of a hero shot, though. You know, it's shot yeah. from beneath and he is making a proclamation. And yeah. it just, it's funny. And it drives home that all of this, you were fighting for your your lives, your honor, your perspective on the war, whether bounty hunters can truly be seen in the galaxy as good citizens of the galaxy. Uh, I just wanted to take things for money and you've made it a pain in my ass. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, really funny uh, and speaks to the ideas. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. The quotable Honda, we need that book. Yeah, uh, the one I wrote down, I really liked Speak Softly and Drive a Big Tank, uh, which is successfully funny. But then, yeah, I mean, this I always think this episode, I thought of this episode when uh, more uh, lovable, avuncular rascal Hondo shows up in Rebels that like, hey, remember when he really took it to Anakin Skywalker and was firing a tank into totally innocent cute farmers yeah and and essentially you know kills kills embo like that was the original plan uh, again i'm not speaking i watched the featurettes kids i didn't i don't just know this stuff uh they were gonna kill him and then everyone was kind of like dave why would you kill him he's a good character so honda would have he killed embo he killed <laughs> yeah Here yeah yeah, and uh, and Rumi did die in the attack. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing is, is I, what I'm coming around to is just you know, accept growth. Uh, some things happened to him, and and he uh, mellowed. He's uh, much more of a lovable rascal. But there is sometimes where you want to be like Ezra. <laughs> Do you know what he did? Do you know who you you know? Be careful. And Honda would have been like, ah, oh, things happen along the way of life. Never mind. <laughs> These, I, I, you know, I had some bad ideas when I was a kid. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, all right. Some great comedy moments. Let's talk about any canon and lore connections to other stories. Uh, do you have uh, stuff on your list? Well, look, I'll tell you what. Anakin is the best pilot in the galaxy. We hear that. We hear Obi-Wan say that. Obi-Wan witnessed it. But also, Anakin always crash lands. And I think uh, that's uh, just, uh, I don't know, maybe a little Indiana Jones in a plane. Fly, yes. Land, no. And uh, I love that that's... Uh, uh, no, Obi-Wan's got that in the back of his mind when he tells that to Luke, you know, uh, even, even, you know, Anakin's the best pod racer if he finishes a race. Uh, <laughs> so I love that kind of consistency and Anakin is the best, but he's also, uh, kind of crazy and reckless at times and, uh, always just kind of lands in butter. 
Yeah, and it's a good Ahsoka line, too, where she seems, like, legitimately angry of, like, why is it every time we fly, we end up crashing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I love anytime Felucia shows up, apartments or not, we talked about it before, but uh, I just think I love those connections. And and uh, we, a little bit we mentioned, uh, I think, on the last week's episode, but just anytime that with Jocasta New and everything, like, where it's like, by this time, like you're watching this and what you thought was new and unfamiliar becomes a place you really love to revisit and these new planets and stuff from the prequel eras from the prequels themselves where you're just like, you might have come out of the theater going, and what was that weird planet that the Raver Jedi was on? You know, <laughs> And now it's a place you want to explore more. And that's part of, even with the sequel trilogy, like I always just, hey, hey take a beat. Get that, that new song you heard from your favorite artist that isn't as good as the one they released last year, it's going to become just as powerful to you because it's just, that's how life, you absorb it and becomes just a, a routine and regular. And so seeing these planets show up again, like, oh yeah, I love that world. I love that era and I love uh, exploring it more. Yeah, I love this idea of taking individual kind of images, ideas, characters, places in the prequel era and saying, don't just uh, react to them. Uh, if if Felucia was an album, don't judge Felucia <laughs> just on its hit single of Jedi Death, but uh, it's got a lot of deep cuts, <laughs> like uh, Cool Little Farmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, yeah, anything else for you? Yeah, come on. Uh, Obi-Wan making high-priced deals for a ride to where he needs to go. All right. <laughs> That's not Nice fair. call. This is Chalman's Cantina right here. This is him going, well, they'll pay it. Don't worry. They'll pay it. We'll t- pay 10 now or tw- seven later, you know, like 17. Um, it's the same thing. Like, cause Hondo's asking. And Hondo's, it's, a, it's the same moment. And Obi-Wan's just like, don't worry. We'll, you get me where we need to go. We'll pay you. I just need to get there. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we will get a whole episode of that in the uh, Kenobi Disney Plus show of uh, Kenobi hires yet another galactic lift driver to take him somewhere. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, good call. Uh, I just I love the aesthetic of the village itself, not just the houses, but, you know, the buildings and those barns. And I like the, that village gate. Uh, obviously, the villages having gates is not a thing that Star Wars invented, but it's cool to see that in the canon of Star Wars is is an aesthetic that kind of denotes a uh, a little uh, little civilization, a little a little community that's very similar to Nima Outpost and uh the Kaladin on Corvus and uh, Navarro and, and everything. So that's, that was just kind of nice to see that image, that idea uh, being in this early Clone Wars episode. Uh, I like this line from Anakin. There's one thing I learned uh, where I grew up. If you want to know what a farmer's up to, look in their barn, which is, that's just, uh, uh, it, it explains a little bit of Anakin's motivation. I think Anakin is, especially early on in the Clone Wars, always, uh, compassionate uh, and wanting to help people when he runs into people in trouble. But you, there is that connection uh, to, we always think of uh, Luke is the farm kid because he, he grew up on a farm yeah. and Anakin grew up, you know, as a slave, you know, working on things in, in a little bit more of a city environment, or a village environment. But to see him connect with this idea that, yeah, I'm from the sticks. I'm from, you know, Tatooine is, uh, is you know, rural uh, right. farm planet. And I know that uh, kind of community and I know how they think was a cool insight to Anakin. And it comes up later in Clone Wars uh, with Ahsoka saying that Anakin won't talk about his childhood. He won't talk about much where he's from. Uh, and he just kind of drips out things like this every once in a while. Yeah. He's got to be vulnerable. He's got to he's got to step out of that armor. Come on, Anakin. That's right. Step. Don't step into the armor, Anakin. Wrong direction. Uh, 
the ship itself uh, looked uh, very Razor Crest like in the barn, right? It did, sir. It did. I'm staring up my Razor Crest Lego set right now, thinking uh, thinking you're right. Yeah, that's that's really cool, especially since that's been established in the actual history of, uh, of the Razor Crest ship in Mandalorian that it uh, predates the Empire. So, uh, it, uh, and I'm not saying it's exactly one right. for one by any means, but it's in that general sort of same style of gunship. Um, I also the when we actually get to see the Felucian farmers in battle, their techniques are very Ewok, right? It's very reminiscent of that idea of uh, the the invading force might have more skill and technological terror but you know people who know their community can use their community the way that they use the environment-based obstacles and you know figure out ways to knock them off their mounts and all that stuff it's very very ewok i thought absolutely when those red coats come marching use your trees around you all right <laughs> that's right use your trees everybody um yeah and everything else we already talked about i wanted to uh, bring up a uh, battlefront there and uh, of course chapter four sanctuary in mandalorian but we talked about those so let's move on to anything that we disliked or questioned in the episode um we, uh, kenobi i'm, I'm always going to point out when i think kenobi's getting a bad rap I love Kenobi. He's he's your guy. Uh, not stepping on that at all, but I, I do love Kenobi, and I love the potential storytelling. And it does by the way, it doesn't mean I have a problem with anything questioning uh, Kenobi's beliefs or the Jedi Order. I think it's fascinating stuff. I could live in that a lot. I just sometimes always get this little instinctive like, "Hey, lay off of Obi Wan." <laughs> what? You know, like, come on. Yeah, no, I think there are some episodes that are that are hard on him. Um, but I'm I'm so uh, I, I'm so glad that you are interested in uh, looking out for uh, for Obi Wan. Uh, <laughs> looking out uh, for yes. Obi Wan. I I do love Obi Wan, but nobody nobody owns these characters except for maybe the people who created them, and you know the people who legally own them. They legally. own them. Yeah. Um, yeah so please uh, join join me on Kenobi Watch. I'm thrilled with that and. And it is fun to see because I, I I love him because I think he's complicated and, and absolutely makes mistakes. Um, and I really like analyzing, like, when did he make his mistake? But I also like analyzing just kind of when is he the stick in the mud? Just because the, the nature of the way the show is constructed of like Ahsoka's our perspective character and she's slowly growing. And Anakin is always going to have this shadow over him of, uh, oh, here's these moments where he's kind and compassionate and, and attachment is a, is a strength but oh here's these moments where he takes it too far in this episode there is even that one little moment where it looks like for a second he's just he's mad and he's gonna let hondo go uh so there's these reason to have these spotlights on anakin and ahsoka and, and in some ways like it's like clone wars is sometimes that anakin and ahsoka are the cool kids and obi-wan's that like is he gonna come along too <laughs> yeah yeah a little yeah. bit of that vibe to him, even though I think he has a ton of amazing moments and arcs in the Clone Wars, which we will, of course, uh, celebrate. Yeah. I think for me, the only thing I uh, questioned is as much as I love that this is just a one shot. There's sometimes when I watch it, I was like, oh, oh. there's so many great ideas and great characters. I wonder if it could have been expanded. Like, um, I feel like Sugi wins the the argument about whether or not bounty hunters have uh, honor uh, because she sees her deal through and then you know she's not like we hate jedi or she doesn't try to you know kidnap them for money and she you know says sure i'll you know you pay me i'll give you a ride um and we see her barn plan work because that's the specific bone of contention between her and kenobi 
But sometimes when I watch it, I was like, oh, it'd be great if there was a moment where this idea of her tactics being right, you know, her skills, her honor being right, if if we got to see it a little a little bit more specific moment highlighting that. Mm, okay. I like it. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my yeah. cutting criticism of this episode yeah. that I liked it so much, maybe there should have been more. What a jerk. I got, uh, I got one final beat, one final thing I questioned. Oh yeah, please. Okay. We've heaped a lot of praise on Embo, and Embo is great. All right. But here's the thing. If you're fighting against Embo, aim lower. <laughs> aim for his knees. All right. That helmet, unless he's great at yoga, helmet's not going all the way down to the floor. All right. Take him out. Take him out by the knees. I don't know why I'm rooting for Embo's destruction. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. You know, man, I'm hoping for some live action Embo. Uh, and we'll see if he gets taken out by the knees. That would be that would be terrible. <laughs> but good point. Yeah. And the Felucians really, you know, with their rakes, they they are a menace to knees everywhere. Those little fighters. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? No, I do just love the simple structure of just everyone, like I mentioned before, but everyone who's at odds kind of comes to each other's aid or comes to some sort of uh, a little conclusion of the little arc, you know, Ahsoka, uh, Serapis, and Sugi, and Kenobi. It, it just, Embo and Anakin, Anakin's the one kind of leaning over him when he's, he's shot and all this kind of stuff. I, I just like that. It's a little simple structure thing, but uh, it kind of uh, wraps up the, the episode and all the lessons in nice, tight little packages like a box of chocolate delivered to your door. Yeah, that is a really, really good point that they the uh, the characters do sort of pair off and go through their little arcs together, which gives it this nice rhythm to it. Uh, only other thing that I wanted to mention is the uh, the beasts that walk by right after Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan crash. Uh, I looked them up. They are jungle rancors or hunter rancors. Um, I know Flution rancors pop up in other things, but... Uh, for one of the things that you and I are tracking in the Clone Wars and Star Wars in general, Ken, is of course the <laughs> the violence towards beasts. And I love that for once they just stop by and the Jedi are like, we don't want to fight them. And they don't. And it's great. Yeah. 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 No, they're great. I love it. Uh, just kind of stalking over and, and they're just doing their thing. Let those Rancors do their thing. Yeah. And they just, uh, just heighten the tension in a great way. Good job, Rancors, uh, for heightening the tension and not having a huge fight with Jedi. If you could have an action figure of any character from this episode, who do you want, Ken? Well, we're doing a playset, okay? You can get an Ahsoka, an Anakin, or an Obi-Wan in the bouncy escape pod playset. All right? <laughs> real, real bounce action. You put your figures in there, three and three quarters, you seal them in, and you can just bounce them. Boom, boom, boom. Do not taunt, taunt bouncy escape pod. All right, oh, yeah, and I want them to be uh, bounce voice activated so you can hear Obi-Wan go, oh. <laughs> exactly. uh, I would say Embo, but I have Embo now. It's so great. Uh, he is proudly displayed uh, by my Clone Wars uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and gives me great joy literally every day. Uh, but the other set that I might need is the action pack uh you know a lot of times the action figures make the verses or a battle pack of the two titans who go up against one another so uh, i want the anakin skywalker versus pick muck muck battle set oh that's that's a must can you do one as a thumb puppet maybe <laughs> both maybe both maybe it's a thumb puppet set a thumb uh, rest for anakin and and mick puck puck mick muck 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I go for uh, yeah, vintage three and three quarter or or finger puppets. Either one is fine. Yeah. 
Other one is good. Uh, next up, we are going to be discussing a two-episode arc, uh, season two, episode 18 and 19, The Zillow Beast and The Zillow Beast Strikes Back. Love that arc as well and very excited to discuss that one. Uh, Ken, what do you think the moral of this episode of our podcast should be? Uh, when, well, it's a kind of a life moral or life lesson to uh, when, uh, when life gets tough, grab your rake and start fighting. <laughs> I am going to be trying to uh, grab my metaphorical rake today all day. <laughs> eh, mm. Anyway, yep. let's move on. Ken, where can uh, people find us? Hey, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can also like our Facebook page, Force Center Podcast. You can go get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Don't forget, uh, you can also use that audibletrial.com slash Force Center link to try a free audio book on us. And if you're on Insight Editions website, use that checkout code FC35. Get yourself 35% off things all across their website. You can also support us uh, support us directly at patreon.com slash force center or just tell a friend about the Star Wars fun going on over here. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Cadnapsock. Go to my website, Cadnapsock.com. I'm also over at the Good People Association, Good People GPA. And Joseph, where can they find you and your upcoming live shows? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. On Valentine's Day, February 14th, I am doing an online comedy variety scavenger hunt show, a weird, fun, we're all in our homes show uh, that is uh, online with the double clicks. That ticket link to that is right on the front page of josephscrimshaw.com. So if you're interested, check it out. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Embo's hat and Delani's rake, this has been Four Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.